Genesis 13. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. Now, for the sake of time today, I'm going to fast forward through this. Uh, I hope you trust me to know that I'm just going to walk you quickly through this scripture, and I'm not going to run off anywhere. But here's what happened. If you look at second verse, Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. They left Egypt. He takes his nephew Lot with him, and they were both very blessed. The Bible said they were so blessed that they couldn't contain in the land that they were living. They couldn't contain all that they had together. So Abram and Lot came together and said, look, we're so blessed that we're going to have to separate just so we can take care of everything. We're going to take your servants and go here, my servants and go here. We're going to take care of everything. Somebody say they were blessed. But when God blesses you, you have some decisions you have to make in your life. And Abram said, Lot, I'm going to let you pick where you want to go. You pick what direction you want to go, and I'm going to go the other. And verse 10 said, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zoar. And verse 11 said, and that's what Lot chose. That's what Lot chose. I'm going to preach to you today with the help of the Lord in the next few minutes of time. If I can get it all in, I'm going to preach to you today from one word. I want to preach to you about gray. Gray, as in the collar, gray. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Some of this content today I'm going to get through as quickly as I can. I don't want to belabor the point, but I do want to tell you that when I walked into the sanctuary this morning, I knew I'd heard from the Lord because Brother Stephen Gill began to rightly divide the word of truth. I turned to Sarah to my right on the front row as he started talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. And I, I leaned to Sarah. I said, well, that's what I'm preaching this morning. I haven't been with Brother Gill all week. I miss Wednesday night because Jocelyn had uh, a solo to sing, and I wanted to be there for her, and Bishop was so kind to, uh, to preach for us on Wednesday night. So I haven't been with Brother Gill all week. You mean to tell me that when I walk into Bible class this morning that God's speaking the same thing to his church? I'm going to tell you, God wants somebody's attention in here today. You know, gray is one of those things that if you have a wife, anything like mine, that it's one of those words you notice because it can be spelled more than one way. It's not improper to spell it G-R-A-Y, nor is it improper to spell it G-R-E-Y. It says the same thing spelled a different way. With some animals, if it's a gray whale, it's a G-R-A-Y whale. If it's a dog, it's a greyhound, it's a G-R-E-Y hound, and they mean the same thing. It's a greyhound dog. But this is what I, I want to talk to you about today. Regardless of the spelling, gray, according to Miriam, which is the corrector of us all, is Miriam Webster. Miriam says that gray, G-R-A-Y and G-R-E-Y, are both common spellings, listen to this, 
of the collar between black and white. Gray is the collar between black and white. Gray doesn't have to decide which one it wants to be. It just finds a place in the middle. It just kind of hangs out there. There's a gray spirit that has got a hold of the church in the end time. John saw it in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. He said, the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. The Lord said, I would that you were cold or hot. Brother Stephen started talking today about those that are just right there close, are in more danger than those that are 10,000 miles away. I would hate to think that I was so close to truth yet wouldn't let God lead me all the way into truth. There's a danger in movements that want the Holy Ghost. But they don't want the truth. We were warned by the apostle. He said that there would be those in the end time. He said that they would have a form of godliness. But they would deny the power thereof. And the next line was a powerful apostolic powerful apostolic word and warning he said from such turn away verse 16 of revelation 3 he said so then because thou art lukewarm somebody shout gray Gray. this word kleros is only used one time in all of the new testament it's a word that simply means you're stuck in the middle you're lukewarm you're not cold and you're not hot You're not on fire and you're not frigid. You're stuck somewhere in the middle. It's Clearos. You're stuck somewhere in the middle. You don't want to pick sides. Can I tell you that when Joshua stood up before the children of Israel at the mountain, he said, choose you this day who you will serve. Joshua said, you're going to have to pick sides today. If it's going to be the gods from the other side of the floods, or if it's going to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but you're going to have to pick sides today. The gods of this world want to make everything gray. And the gods of this world want you to believe that if you disagree with somebody, you have to hate them. That's the spirit of the age. You can't disagree with somebody without hating them. But the Lord said this. He said, because thou art lukewarm and you're neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. I've heard it said all my life. People would say, oh, that must break the heart of God to see that alcoholic. It must break the heart of God to see that person live like that. I I tell you, there's probably several things that break the heart of God but only one thing that makes God sick to his stomach and that's somebody that's lukewarm he said if you're not cold or hot I'll spew you out of my mouth the only thing that makes God sick is somebody that won't pick sides so I've come on this Sunday morning to ask you the question who is on the Lord's side who is on the Lord's side As Joshua came in to possess the promised land, he leads them into the edge of Jericho. And God shows up there. 
The Bible said that the angel of the Lord was standing against the wall of the city. And when Joshua recognized the angel of the Lord that was standing there, he immediately begins to respond to to heaven's gift that had been sent down to him by way of the angel of the Lord. And Joshua asked the angel of the Lord this question. He said, are you for us or for our enemy? And the angel of the Lord said, no. Think about this. He's talking to heaven's gift that was sent down. He said, are you on our team or on their team? And the angel said, no, when you first read that, you can be like, well, I, I guess it was just the Lord saying, no, I'm not for them. No, read it closer. You're going to find out the angel of the Lord was saying, I'm not on your team and I'm not on their team. What I want to know is, are you on our team? We've got to quit trying to get God to agree with all of our ideas. And we've got to quit trying to get God to bless our ideas. We've got to find out what God is already blessing and make our way toward the blessing of the Lord. Heaven, are you on our team? No, but I want to be on heaven's team. I don't care what this world is saying. I don't care what they're trying to normalize. I don't care what they're trying to recognize. I don't care what they're trying to teach our children. It's the new normal. I have already staked my claim. And I've drawn the line in the sand. I'm going to get on heaven's team. And I'm going to stay on heaven's team. I'm going to walk with the Lord. I'm going to walk with God. Listen, I want to make something very clear to you today. The world wants you to believe that God is this being that sits on a throne and damns everything to hell that doesn't do exactly what he said. It's a picture that's drawn all the time by these crazy mindsets. Nobody wants a God like that that sends everybody to hell for what they do. Listen, I want to tell you with all the love I can tell you in my heart today, if anybody goes to hell, it is not because God sent them to hell. If they go to hell, it's because they jumped over the mercies of God that God has provided for them to keep them out of hell. God is not the man that sits on the throne sending everybody to hell. God is the one that robed himself in flesh and gave his life to keep me from having to go to hell I want you to know hell is what I deserved but God's mercy made the way because thou art lukewarm and you're not cold or hot I'll spew you out of my mouth verse 17 because thou sayest I am rich and I am increased with goods this is so powerful right here. Don't read this too fast. And I have need of nothing. What was it that made you so gray? What was it that got you to quit picking sides? We got everything we needed. I, I needed so much when I came to God. I was broken. I was a mess. My family was a mess. Didn't have a job. All that. You know, I could tell testimony after testimony in here today. You take a new convert, bring them to God. They don't miss a service. You let God get them off trouble. Pray the prayer of faith. They'll go to the courthouse and the judge says, I can't tell you what happened, but something turned in my heart. Boom. Ring of the gavel. They're off the hook. God blesses them. They won't miss a service until. Until they get increased with goods. Until they say, I am rich. 
and I have need of nothing. Hey, I want to tell you right now, I'm thankful for the blessings of the Lord. God has blessed me. I've got more than I deserve. I thank God for the vehicles I drive and the gas that's in the tank of those cars. I thank God for my house. I thank the Lord when I woke up this morning, I had air conditioning in my house. I thank the Lord when I woke up, the fan running by my bed was still working. I thank the Lord that when I turned on the water in my shower, it worked. I thank the Lord that I had a toothbrush and toothpaste, and you ought to as well. I thank God for all of that. But it doesn't matter if I live in 10,000 square feet of house and drive a brand new car. I'll always need him. You'll never have so much that you don't need him. And you'll never be without enough that he won't find you where you are. God is a God that is looking for you today. It doesn't matter where you are. He wants you. said the problem with the Laodicean church is he said they got so blessed that they quit picking sides now folks this may sound selfish but you just got to know my heart I like being blessed I like it I've wore shoes with holes in the soles of them come on I thank God mother and dad raised me in ministry, but I learned as a little boy, if you want to be wealthy, it's probably a pretty sad occupation to pick. Come on. I was raised with my mother letting hems out of my britches just so I could stretch them a little longer. Putting elastic in the waistband because I was, I was becoming a husky. I don't know who it was, but some people at Calvary Academy made fun of me for having elastic pants. Probably the guy laughing so hard his shoulders were shaking on the back row. I know what it's like to have holes in my shoes. My mother and daddy would have been upset if they'd known I had the holes in my shoes, but I didn't tell them. Right there in the sole of my shoe, I could see my socks. I'm going to tell you, God's been good to me, folks. I don't wear shoes with holes in them anymore. God's been good to me. My wife and I have tried to take care of what God's given us, and God's been good to me. I thank God for it. But if every bit of that goes away tomorrow, there's a reason why I'm not saying this, spraying it to the fifth row. I don't care. I I thank God for what I got. I thank the Lord for it. Jason, I'm thankful we got to stay in trailers at camp meeting this week. I love my little RV. I love our world. I love walking up there seeing my kids. If they close the campground tomorrow and repossess my trailer, I need him. I'll never have enough that I don't need him. He said, but you have said of yourself that you are wealthy and you are increased with goods. And because of that, you stop picking. You know what I'm saying today? If you don't want to be on the Lord's side, I'm disconnecting myself with you because I want to be blessed. And I want to be on the Lord's side. I want to be with him. Uh, Brother Snow, you and I have had some wonderful conversations. You're a great gift to my life. 
One of the things we've talked about through the years is that the enemy, and it's, it's not a new trick. He's been working on it a long time. He did it with Elijah. And he wants you to go to a cave of isolation and believe that you're the only one that's left. And when he got in the cave, and forgive my, my, my being brash and crude, but he went in the cave and started sucking his thumb. He got in the cave and got sucked at something. He said, oh, God, I'm the only one that will stand for truth. The Lord spoke to him. He said, get up from there, son. He said, I got 7,000 prophets that have never bowed a knee. It's a lie of the enemy. Hear me. It is a lie of the enemy that you are the only one left that wants this apostolic truth. I don't care what these jokers say. There is a world that is hungry for real apostolic experience. They don't want a copy of it. They don't want a fake of it. They want the real thing. They want godliness. They want holiness. They want power. They want breakthrough. They want conviction. They want healing. I wish I, wish I had time to tell you the full story. I'm trying to get somewhere in a hurry. But... We had uh, a couple that had gone out to the Los Angeles area and started a church. And this girl, I, I don't know who she is. I could tell you her name because they told me the name. I don't know what else she played in. They told me a movie she was in with Mel Gibson. And uh, she, was, um, she was, that's what she did in L.A. She was an actor. And somehow she got an invitation to their church. She came to their church. And so they befriended her and, and it was a small small home missions work at the time they invited her over to a little small group deal and they're sitting around playing games and uh you know the pastor said i want to be real real careful because this could be a game changer you know it's that spirit of intimidation you get, get you a hollywood star in here oh god they could build us whatever we want or whatever and he said we, we, we're trying to be real careful just how how we dealt with it put on kick gloves and he said we're sitting there playing this game whatever card game whatever he said she just put her hand on the table and looked up and said I shouldn't be dressing like this, should I? He said, huh? I shouldn't be dressing like this, should I? Well, you just let the Lord deal with you. She said, no. She looked that pastor in the eye. She said, what you don't understand is I make my living being fake. She said, I know fake because that's how I make a living. I'm an actor. She said, I know what fake is. But I know what real is. And she said, what you're preaching and you're teaching is real. Listen, I'm telling you, people are so used to fake that they know what real is. And people that are broken and people that their lives are messed up, forgive me if it sounds ugly, but I'm telling you, they don't need a donut to make them better. And they don't need cereal in the sanctuary to make them better. They need power from on high that will forever change their lives and pick them up out of the miry clay and turn them around. I'm not trying to figure out how to become more relevant. I'm trying to figure out how to be more powerful. I want to connect people to the most powerful source in the earth. I thank God for our cafe. And I thank God for the staff. I thank God Sarah and her team worked so hard at the cafe. But you listen to me. Somebody that's got cancer in their body don't care about free coffee. Come on, I know I'm preaching right now. Somebody that's about to lose their family and their world's falling apart. They don't care what brand of syrup we use in our lattes. 
but they do care if they come into a church that's dead and dried up and there's no power and there's no authority. It's time for us to be the people of God. I don't want to be gray. I'm hurrying. I got 11 minutes. Y'all doing all right? Well, I think we're saying the same thing. We're just saying it a different way. There's no such thing as semantics in, in doctrine. It's black or white. Well, I think that's awful strong. Well, let me just tell you what Jesus said. He said, you're for me or you're against me. I really do wish there was a, a gray area that we could get into there. But Jesus said, nope. You're with me or you're not. Woo-wee. I got to reading in Genesis. Never seen this in this fashion. Started reading the original context and the Hebrew, how it all worked together. And I understand the context of what was being said, but in chapter 13 of Genesis and verse number 10, I'd never seen it in this fashion. It said, and Lot lifted up his eyes and he beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere I, I mean I wish I had a dollar for every time I preached this but I've never seen it like this ma'am I've never seen this he said that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah watch this I want you to see this language even as a garden of the Lord does anybody know where that is the garden of Eden right this is God's this is God's garden he said, even as the garden of the Lord. Now read that next line. Like the land of Egypt. <laughs> I could have told you if I'd have been privy to this, I could have told you that Lot was going to fail before he ever got to Sodom. I'm going to tell you why. Because when he looked over there, he couldn't tell the difference in Egypt and the garden of the Lord. Now, Hebrew scholars say the reason he said this is because Egypt had to do with the seed, the, 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 the planting, and, and, and Eden had to do with the, 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 the rivers flowing in. So, well, he said, because of, he said because of Eden, because of the water, and he said because of Egypt like the seed. I'm going to tell you what I believe it is. I believe it's the gray area. That when a man or woman get confused in their heart and they look at the well-watered plain, everything becomes gray. You're like, well, I can't, I, I can't really tell anymore if that's the garden of God. Or if that's Egypt. For those of you that are wondering what I'm saying today, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not just assuming everybody understands, but in the scripture when we read about Egypt, we can always make this a type and shadow, if you would, or in the likeness of the world. Outside the kingdom of God. It's where the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. Somebody say out. They were brought out of Egypt, not to go back into Egypt, but to leave Egypt and go to the promise. But when you get confused in your relationship with God, you've heard me preach this through the years. But if it's ever made sense in the context, I'm about to preach it right now until the paint comes off the walls. We find that Lot had a problem that had to be dealt with. And this was the problem. That Lot did not have a relationship with God. Lot had a relationship with Abraham. Abraham had the relationship. Abram at this time, his name hasn't changed. But Abram has the relationship with God. And Lot has the relationship with Abram. 
Why was Lot seeing everything gray? Is that God's garden or is that Egypt? It all looks the same to me because your relationship was with the man, not with the God of the man. Lot, when you're at a place where your relationship is with a church family and not with the God that purchased that church with his own blood, all the areas that should be black and white are going to be gray. Here's what happens. When you got a relationship with the man, and Sister Carol, the man stands up and says, I'm not going to preach separation anymore. Gets up in the pulpit and says, I don't believe standards are necessary anymore. I don't believe the Holy Ghost is essential anymore. You'll say, well, that's my pastor. I'm going to stand with my pastor. Church family, you know I've done this for 22 years, but I'm, I'm going to preach this to you right now. And I want to be clear, I, if you don't attend this church... I'm not saying this to be ugly, so you just got to know my heart. Ask somebody that goes here. I'm a nice guy. I'm going to tell you today. If I start preaching false doctrine in this church, I hope to God the next Sunday this place is cleared out. If I get up here and start telling you that baptism is not essential and I start telling you the Holy Ghost is not essential, I pray to God that you'll get up in the middle of my preaching and walk out of this church and never walk back through these doors again. You've got my permission. I don't want your relationship to be with me. I want your relationship to be with God because there is no gray area when it comes to eternity. You're either saved or you're lost. I heard a preacher take a beating the other day because the pastor got up and said, I don't care what your pastor says about it. If it's sin, it's sin. And there were some guys that were messed up saying, ooh, ooh, he lost me when he said, I don't care what your pastor said. The context is not in disrespect of disrespecting a man of God that has a little bit of a different conviction. The, 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 the problem is that just because a man that used to think it was necessary says it's not anymore, it doesn't make it any less necessary because he got carnal. Is this all right? You got me, Brother Kev? Go be my escort out here today. (laughs) Listen, I want you to know something, church family. There is no such thing as gray. You're either a child of God or you're not. If you can't stand up in your life and look at this church and say, Is that the garden of the Lord? Or is that Egypt? I wonder sometimes, Brother Rick. My heart's broke today. I got dear friends that used to preach what we preach. But it wasn't enough, Brother Stephen, to just say, I don't think the Holy Ghost is essential anymore. I don't, I don't, they started this stupid doctrine about saved at repentance. Oh, all you got to do is just tell God you're sorry. That's where they went wrong because repentance isn't a prayer. Repentance is a decision. You are not saved at a decision. You are not saved at a prayer. And I'm going to preach the rest of it. I'm almost done, but i got to preach the rest of this. And just because you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, it doesn't mean you're saved forever. 
I've got to make sure every day of my life that I work on the relationship I started when God saved me. I'm not saved until I make it. I know some people are looking at this as a license to sin. Paul took care of that. He said, should we go ahead and continue in sin because of grace? He said, God forbid. You know better than that. I'm telling you, I am not perfected until I stand before him and I hear him say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. I'm going to make some mistakes, but the mistakes got to be black and white. And I've got to get out of the gray and stop making excuses and get back in the altar and get in the mercy of God and be saved. Oh, I'm trying so bad to hurry. We're so quick to look at Calvinism and shake our head and say, once saved, always saved. They're foolish. We, I've heard guys preach the same thing. I've seen people repent of their sins, get baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, sit on a church pew, dress right, talk right, but be just as carnal as can be. And they're going to go to hell as fast as the alcoholic. Because they think once they get saved, they're saved. It's a continual work of grace. You are growing in grace every day. Get out of the gray area and quit acting like it don't happen. We are a work. I thank God when I was a little boy, they taught me a song in Sunday school. Sister Grisham said, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It only took him a week to make the moon and the stars, but he's still working on me. Thank God that he hasn't given up on me yet. I am not perfected. hurry I hurry when people look at my life and I can tell you for a fact <laughs> I've lost friends over it but when they look at my life I want them to know for sure whether I'm living in the garden of the Lord or in the land of Egypt Brother Caleb, come here. Brother Jordan, come here. Brother Stephen, come here. You guys come stand up here. If you're a young man in this church, I'm not putting you on spot. If you're a young man in this church and feel a call to ministry, I want you to come up here and stand by these guys. I want to tell you men today, there is no such thing as a gray apostolic preacher. You understand what I'm telling you today? We are men of God. We're not just preachers. And I'm not calling you if you haven't been called yet, but I'm just saying if you got feel like you got a call of God on your life, He's not calling you to be a preacher. He's calling you to be an apostolic man of God. I believe. I told Brother Arthur last night, we were laughing about it. My wife tells me somehow, she said, babe, I don't care what you're preaching. Somehow you always end up on the Godhead. It's because I'm a one God preacher. You understand what I'm saying? Your first message ought to have Acts 2.38 all over it. Every message you preach ought to have the oneness of God all over it. Listen, 
If you want to find some sugar-coated preaching, you can find it all over the internet. You go get it. But I'm looking for some men, and God's looking for some men that when they preach, there is no gray. It's black and white. You're saved or you're lost. You're in or you're out. And don't let anybody put pressure on you. You men of God that are already preaching the word, don't let anybody put pressure on these guys and tell them to get gray. We don't need to get gray. y'all just stand. I know it's probably uncomfortable. I want you to stand right there. I want you to feel. I'm asking God right now to let you feel the pressure of what I'm feeling in my spirit right now. I'll tell you the problem is we're producing a generation of diabetic Christians because every meal we prepare is so sugar-coated. And when they receive the good word of God, it tastes bitter to them. Because their diet is so full of sugar. Brother Gibson, if we've ever needed men to preach truth, if we've ever needed church people to fall in love with truth, oh God, I can't, I can't dry my tears. I, 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 can't, I can't dry my fountain up. I want God to keep me humble in his presence. I want God to keep me weeping in his presence. I don't want anybody ever to help me take for granted the fact that God called us out. And we are people that's called out. And we got to keep preaching like we've been called out. I don't want people to walk in this church and feel like this is the easy way in. It's not whether there's an easy way or a hard way. It's the only way. There's not... There's not more than one way in. Jesus said, I am the door. And if a man comes in any other way, he is a thief and he is a robber. I'm not here to preach to you today about an easier way. I'm here to preach about the only way. Thank you, God. I love you. Uh, as I close... I woke up this morning and I saw this little old kid standing in front of a king and a bunch of fearful soldiers. It was the first thing I saw when I, I started to open up my eyes. It was like the Lord just let this pray out, play out in front of my mind like an open vision kind of. I saw this young man, a bunch of fearful soldiers, his brothers standing there. And I could hear this voice in the background cursing the Lord. Cursing the people of God. And I saw this little old dude had a had a sling strapped in the side over here in his belt. It was hanging down. And he looked at King Saul. He looked around at those men and he was so puzzled, Bishop. He said, Is there not a cause? Is there? <laughs> it doesn't bother you the things that he's saying. Yeah, but we'd, ra we'd rather be peaceable. Really? Okay. David did not run to the valley of Elah to be seated at a negotiation table. David wasn't running to talk to the district board and say, you think we ought to let this in? It wasn't a gray area. He said, if you defy the armies of the Lord God and you speak cursings against the Lord, he said, we're not going to exist together. 
And that giant looked at him and said, who do they think you are sending you over here to me? And this is what I love. David runs out of the gray area. He runs out of all the gray area. And he said, you come to me with your shield and with your sword, but I'm coming to you black and white today. I'm not coming to you with false doctrine. I'm not coming to you with negotiation. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. You can stand with me today. I, I had such a good sermon I wanted to get to you, and I've got, I've got ten things I hadn't got to. in Judges, the 12th chapter, I don't have time to lay the groundwork for all this, but, but this, this is, I'm going to give you the basic idea. In Judges chapter 12, verse number 6 is where I'm going to close. The Bible said that there was a, a, there was a tribe of people that were coming to the city. The man of God warned him. He said, listen. He said, when they come to the door, to the gate of the city, I want you to be on guard and be very, very careful. He said, because the words that they're going to speak are so similar to how we talk. He said, when they come to the gate, if they say Sibboleth instead of Shibboleth, don't worry about what it means. One talks of a river, one's of harvest. They're very close, one constant all, but mean totally different things. Man, could you not preach that for a month? Sounds the same, but completely different. He said, if they can't say it, don't let them in. And the Bible said, listen, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. Where is the spirit of mercy that says, oh, he was close. Have I left the word yet? When he comes up there. And he don't quite speak the language just right. Say, no, 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 no. Shibba, ship. Say this with me. Shibba. Because we don't need to be teaching people how to, how to say uh, this in the Holy Ghost. I, I, I'm, I'm saying these guys get down there. Come on. This is how you speak in tongues. No. We're going to let the Holy Ghost say that. We're, we don't teach people in this church how to speak in tongues. We believe you'll speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. He said, when they come to the gate and they say, Sibboleth. Brother Stephen, you preached it. You taught it so beautifully this morning. Don't just let them walk away. This is not just about whether or not they get in. He said, these people are imitating the real thing because they want to infiltrate this. When they come to the gate, if they say Sibboleth, Slay it right there. Don't wait till it gets in the city and then try to slay it. Don't wait till it gets in the city and then try to correct it. Don't wait until you're in marriage counseling to fix it. Don't wait until adultery to fix it. Fix it at the gate. He said when they come to the gate... And they're trying to talk you into a gray area. He 
said, when they start talking gray and you know it ain't right, slay them. Brother St. Clair, I think you're making a mountain out of a molehill. It's not that much difference. Well, I'm going to tell you what. It was different enough that that day 42,000 men lost their lives because somebody said, we're not going to be gray about our gates. I could have preached you into a frenzy today, made you dance and shout to this altar. But this is an intentional move today on somebody to move out of gray. Get it, get, get it out. Listen, folks, I love people. I've got a heart for people. If you know me at all, you know that. I love people. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I was a little frustrated this week. When a prayer that we've been praying for a long time, no matter what happens with it, we've been praying it for a long time. That God would move on the heart of our Supreme Court. And when I saw apostolic people apologizing online for righteousness, you can't legislate righteousness, don't get me wrong. It doesn't change one thing. And, and, and just because the Supreme Court ruled on it, when they said it was illegal, they were doing it anyhow. My point is, we got to learn to celebrate the things of God. I'm not, I'm not joining the gray cloud. No offense. I'm not, I'm not joining the grays. I'm on the Lord's side. I've told you for years... But I say it again. I try every day to keep my flesh under subjection. But God forbid that I would ever fail. Lose my ministry. I'll make you a promise. You wouldn't see me on TBN in six months. Because <laughs> I'm not going to go make money with the gray people. Bishop, if I'm not preaching this message, I'll go sell cars. I'm, there ain't nothing wrong with selling cars. I'm just saying. If I'm not preaching this, I'm not preaching anything. Because there is no gray area for me. God, help this church. Help our guests today. To see that the world is painting the broad brushstroke of gray. Just live in between and take your chances. When the Lord comes back, if you go to church every now and then, you'll make it. This is not about going to church every now and then. This is about moving out of the gray and moving into a relationship with God. If you only knew how much He loved you today, not only would you walk to this altar, but you would run to His wide open arms and say, Lord, whatever you want of me, it's not too much today. These altars are open today. These altars are open if you're here and want to go deeper with God. If you're tired of operating in the gray, you just want to live for God. Come on, that's it. That's so beautiful right there. Thank you. Thank you. Woo. Somebody just begin to cry out to the Lord right now. Come on, apostolics. We got to repent for falling in love with the gray area. We got to fall in love with the word of God. Woo. God, forgive us. God, forgive us.
Oh, and I don't care if you've served God for five minutes or 50 years. I just want you to cry out to the Lord right now. God, forgive me. Lord, if I've vacillated on truth, if I've been fickle in my heart, if I've turned from the whole truth and nothing but the truth, forgive me, God. I want to walk with you and you alone, Lord. I'm taking my heart off the market today. I don't care how blessed I am. I'm going to serve you. That's so beautiful. Let the Lord touch your heart right now. Come on, let the Lord touch your heart. Don't let your children play in a land of gray area. It's time we teach our children, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Get them out of the gray area.